0: Again, I'm, I'm glad you like that song. Oops, we have a mic. That's the theme song of the entire series. We're looking at the names of God. My uh, you, you're aware that our daughter and son-in-law have adopted two two young brothers, one a brand new baby, and Theo is one and a half. And Nate, our son-in-law, has a kind of a pet name for Julie. He, in the habit of calling her babe. I've got I've to go run an errand, babe. Hmm. It's me. It's right there. Okay, we'll give it one more try. I gotta go in an Aaron babe or uh, pasta salt babe. You know, kids here and they, they mimic everything. Theo a few nights ago at dinner turned to Julie and said, "The water, babe." <laughs> this has nothing to do with the sermon. I just just want you to know my grandkids are even cuter than yours. So just 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 to keep it straight here, yeah. You've seen some posters around the building, 1.1.1. That's coming. It's life changing. 1.1.1. Gene, what is it? Not yet. So let's review. We're looking at the names of God. And by the way, did, did, did it catch your eye? Ash Wednesdays, two weeks from Wednesday? Is time going fast or what? Two weeks from Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. We kick off Lent in a couple of weeks. I feel like time's flying. We're in a series, Names of God. I, I, I want to go back and just review, just review. Remember what you went through agonizing the name of your child? That name is everything. Names are added to the list. Names are taken off the list. Maybe family names. Why is it so important? Because it's self-revelation. You meet someone for the first time. You declare your name. You go to a conference. There's that sticker. Hello, my name is. And we all have lots of names. This is critical. We have lots of names. You're saying, no? Your name's Gene. Correct. Remember, my kids call me dad, my parents call me son, people in my church call me pastor, my Tammy calls me honey. All are me, all appropriate, but all require a unique relationship. Only two people really ought to call me dad, Julie and and Jonathan. Only two people really ought to call me son, uh, uh, my folks. Only person calling me honey ought to be Tammy. When the ushers here do it, it's just a little weird to me. Maybe it's me. So a relationship gives permission to use the name. That's the critical point. A relationship gives permission to use the name. And when you have that relationship, it's very natural to use the name. And so for us, it's a big deal. Biblical times, it was everything. Remember, Jacob had his name changed to Israel. It's incredibly important for us to learn the names of God and know what they mean. Because it's one of the top ten. Exodus 20, verse 7, the Ten Commandments. Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. doesn't say don't don't take the Lord in vain. Don't take the name of the Lord. It's incredibly important. We honor those names. For one reason, it is a weapon of praise. Psalm 48, verse 10. According to thy name, thy name, O Lord, so is the praise to the ends of the earth. Thy right hand is full of righteousness. It doesn't say according to God is your praise, which is appropriate. It's more specific, according to your name is your praise. Psalm 8, 1, another one. O Lord, O Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set glory above the heavens. So it is a praise weapon. When we have the right relationship, we praise him using this word. It's also a weapon to be used on our behalf when it rains on us. Remember it rains on the saint and rains on the sinner? When things collapse, we go and declare his name. My favorite, Proverbs 18.10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Righteous run to it and it is safe. If we had the relationship, we could call out his name when things are going against us, when we're hurting, when we're defeated, when we're grieving. Now, the names, one more thing, are not things that guys thought of. Last week was Jehovah Jireh. Remember, does God have your most important thing, your Isaac. Some guy didn't go, you know, I think I'll call you Jaira. He gave us these names. They're his product. He gave us the names so that we might use them appropriately. Because he melts when we use those names. When my grandchildren crawl on my lap and say, I love you, Papa. My wallet just falls out of my back pocket. What would you like? I melt! When they call me Papa, every grandparent here gets that. Mom, remember the very first time your baby called you Mama? Remember the first time dad the baby called you daddy? You melted this. God says, I want to give you my names. Unique to relationships because I will melt when you use them. But the challenge, you better qualify. Last week, Jehovah Jireh. It's got to have your most important thing. Priority. This week, Jehovah Adonai. Have you ever heard anybody say, I, I am the master of my destiny. That is a Misconception goes back to the Garden of Eden. It's one of the great lies promoted by Satan. In fact, everything that we have, everything that we are, is owned by God. He created us and he owns us. Adonai is translated in the English text, Lord. I'm going to get a little weird here. Lord, when you see capital L, small O-R-D, typically is Adonai. Sometimes you see capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, where it's all caps, that's Yahweh. Sometimes you see them back to back. Lord, Lord, people aren't stuttering. They're saying Yahweh, Adonai. Large L, small O-R-D. Typically is Adonai. It appears nearly 300 times in the New Testament. So it's really, really a common verse. And the whole significance here is that of ownership. He as owns that he might protect. He is the rightful owner of everything because he created everything. He owns so that he might protect. Therefore, since he owns everything, he has the opportunity to particularly call us to worship him as absolute owner. Everything you see, everything you think of, he created. He owns that he might protect. And we do not dare rob him of his ownership. A great example of Adonai, Malachi 1.6. I want you to see it. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I be father, where is my honor? And if I be master, where is my fear, saith the Lord, Adonai, of hosts. O priest, you despise my name. And you say, where have we despised thy name? Now the name Adonai, owner of all. They had had despised him by defiling their tithe. The tithe is the 10%. They had defiled it in this most creative way. Back then, the tithe was the animals, that was their currency, and they had a rod. And the animals would come under the rod, and the tenth animal would always go to the temple. Well, what they did, they would say, one through nine, healthy. This animal's a little sickly, you're going to be number 10. 11 to 19, healthy. And the twentieth animal is on hospice. Well, we'll make you number 20. So... Out of the blue, every 10th animal was near death. It's just a coincidence, I'm telling you. Who, who knew? So God says, I'm Adonai. You're defiling the offering. You are... I realize what you're doing. And here he's using the word Adonai. I own, I own the other nine. I own them all. All I'm asking for is a recognition of your servanthood to me. All I'm asking for is a recognition that I own everything. I'm calling for that tenth as part of your reasonable service, as part of your reasonable worship. It becomes a tithing sermon, doesn't it? And God is using the word Adonai here because he says, Time out, campers. I own the first nine. All I'm asking for is the tent, and you're giving me the sickly one? He's not happy at all. This is one of my favorite episodes because he's making that point. I own everything. I've created everything. Now remember, where we really get the meaning of the word is the first time it's used. The episode, the story around, the first time it's used kind of teaches us what it means. And for almost all these names of God, we're going to go all the way back to Abram or Abraham. Remember, same guy. Name change. This is very early. This, this, this goes back to Abram before he's Abraham. The first time it's used is chapter 15 of Genesis, but we've got we to backtrack a little bit to Genesis chapter 12. Abraham is told, leave where, you, where you're living, go to the land I, I give you. So Abraham, his flocks, and his relatives, they go to another land. And his nephew Lot is there. Abraham and Lot get along fine, but Abraham's men and Lot's men ain't working out real well. They're in the new land, competition, battles, whatever. Abram, Abram goes to Lot, and Lot goes to Abram and said, Listen, we're so close, we want nothing to, to damage our relationship. How about if we go different directions from here? We're in the land God called us. We, we need to kind of separate to protect our relationship. Fine. Now, Lot has a smaller herd, smaller amount of men. It's dangerous to travel. He begins to travel, and sure enough, Rustlers steal the herd and take Lot hostage. Abram gets word of what's happened. So he puts together 318 armed men to go rescue Lot and to get his herd back and set up his ranch. I mean, is this not a Western? We're going to get Lot, Pilgrim. That's John Wayne, come on. It's a Western. We got a posse riding riding to get, to get rescue Lot from the wrestlers and all. I mean, it's a Western. And sure enough, Abram and his 318-armed men take care of the wrestlers, reinstate Lot. Now, Abraham's trotting back slow. Hey, you get sound effects. They're coming back. God comes to Abram and says, you know something? I am pleased. I am pleased at who you are. I am pleased at what you're doing and I want to reaffirm to you, you are going to be the father of a nation. Now, Abram's a little ticked off right now. God told him a long time ago, you're going to have children and those children are going to be the future. Well, he was a young man when God told him that. So Abram's going, cool. Well, now he's in his 30s. He's going, well, we're running out of time, but we got time. He's in his 40s, getting a little nervous. He's in his 50s. He's thinking, yeah, this ain't working out right. He's in his 60s, he's in his 70s, now he's in his young 90s. And God comes back to him and says, listen, I haven't forgotten about you. Abram's kind of going, i got to tell you the truth. Those those, those years are kind of gone. So God takes him outside at night. And he something so cool. He says, tell you what, look up. See those stars? Count them. I think God purposely flooded the night sky with stars. I think it was overwhelming. So now Abram's going, 409, 410, 913. I mean, at some point. Abram's going, I can't. And God says, that is how your seed will be. And by the way, I am Adonai. All those stars you can't count, I made them. All those stars you can't count, I own them. You think your childlessness is a big deal to me? Look at all those stars. That's your, that, that is as your seed would be. Try to count them all. I own them. I made them. Look at it, Genesis 15, 5. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look toward the heaven and tell the stars. In other words, start counting. If thou will be able to number them, take a shot. And he said to them, so shall thy seed be. He's saying, by the way, Sarah having a child is not that big of a problem to me. I own it all. I have mastery because I own it all. Scientists had an opportunity to have an audience with God. And they came before the Holy One and said, God, we really don't need you anymore. God's saying, I, 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 I'm the creator. Yeah, 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 you're the creator. We could do it now. And God's kind of taken back. He said, what do you mean? And the scientists say, we've advanced so far that we, we could create people. And God says, yeah, but the intricacies of, of the heart muscle and, and, and the brain and the nerves and the scientists are going, yeah, 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 yeah we figured it out. We could do that. And God said, you do realize I created out of dust. I created out of dirt. Scientists say, yeah, yeah, yeah. We could do that. And God said, Well, show me. And they reached down, and God said, Ah, get your own dirt. (laughs) At some point, it does come back that He owns it all, that He might protect it all. So the question you have a problem? Come on, are you bleeding? Are you overwhelmed? Maybe you need to go outside tonight. It'd be great if it'd be loaded. Go outside tonight and look up and go, God, you created that. You're bigger than my problem. You own that. You're bigger than my problem. And we struggle at this issue because we tend to think that the things that we have are ours. I worked hard. I made those mortgage payments. I own this. We're like toddlers. You ever go into a nursery? Their favorite word is mine. Watch children. There's a famous story of Abraham Lincoln walking with, his, with two children, or three children, and the kids are throwing a tantrum. It's a meltdown. And somebody yelled, Abe, what's wrong? And he said, the age-old problem, three children, two chestnuts. Because it's all ours. Watch children. Watch two children wanting one toy. You know, they did nothing to deserve that toy. They didn't build it. They didn't pay for it. But they think it's theirs. If we own a piece of land, we own our home, we paid for it. We scrapped. We both worked, husband and wife. It took a long time. We finally own our home. I finally made my last car payment. It is mine. Doesn't ownership drive you nuts? I mean, constant repairs, constant maintenance, the roof leaks, the plumbing blacks up. We're so frustrated with ownership, I almost want to say, I own nothing. I got good news. You don't. Get out of the ownership business. The hard truth, you are a steward. And that's it. Adonai owns everything, including your stuff. You might as well sign a deed over to God because it becomes a joy to be a steward of everything I'm allowed to have because he owns it anyway. Enjoy God who is Adonai, owner. There's a very important passage. Exodus chapter four of the story of Adonai. This is that, that great argument. Moses is fighting with God. God had called him. You're going to be my mouthpiece. You're going to go to Pharaoh and free my people. And Moses has 50 million reasons why he can't. Moses, I, 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 I'm, I'm eloquent, I can't speak, I can't do this. Exodus 4, 11. take a look. And the Lord, this is not this is not Adonai, all capitals, Yahweh. Anyway. The Lord said to him, who made man's mouth? Who makes the dumb or the deaf? Or the seeing or the blind? Am I not the Lord? Yahweh, I've created this. He reminds Moses, I, I created you. The fact that you're not a good speaker, I'll take care of that. I'll give you the words. You think this would be sufficient, but Moses just keeps whining. My favorite verse in the Bible, Moses says, here my Lord, send Aaron. So Moses tries again. He's thinking of every single possible. And he makes a mistake in his argument. A terrible mistake recorded in Exodus 4.13. And he said, oh, my Lord, capital L, small O-R-D, Oh Yahweh, oh, oh Adonai, who owns everything? I pray thee by my hand of him thou was sand. He's using Adonai here. He's not using it as praise. He's not using it as a fort. He's using it as an argument. The guts of Moses. Now, God has put up with this conversation. It's gone on and on and on. God has put up with it over and over and over. Now, the very next verse, he's ticked. We finally have the anger of God. Look how it begins, Exodus 4.14. And the anger of the Lord, Adonai, and the anger of Adonai was kindled against Moses. That's critical. And he said, isn't Aaron, the Levite, thy brother? I know he could speak well. And also, behold, he come forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. He's going to concede. I'll let let Aaron go. But the kicker of that verse is the beginning. And the anger of the Lord was kindled. He is ticked. Why? God has tolerated this ongoing debate with Moses on and on and on. Every single excuse at some point. Moses, just do it. He's put up with all this. He's never gotten angry. Moses uses Adonai. And the next verse says, and the anger of the Lord was there. He took the name of the Lord in vain. He didn't use it as a praise weapon. He didn't use Adonai as a fort to run to. He used it as an argument piece. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord in vain. Yeah! It's a big deal. The fast track to God's anger? Crawl on his lap and use the name of God that you're not allowed to use. Lordship. Adonai. In other words... You can call him Adonai as a great praise weapon. He melts when you say it. You can use it as a fort to run to if he literally owns everything of you. Last week, Jehovah Jireh, he owns your priority. Now we're kind of upping it a little bit. More than priority, he owns it all anyway. We see ourselves as stewards only. Everything you have. You are only a steward of, no matter how many payments you made. God is owner and protector, and he sees my needs. He doesn't own us to hurt us. He owns us to have us flourish. He doesn't own us to damage us. He owns us that he might meet our needs every day. The greatest prayer of all time, give us this day our daily bread. That's an Adonai statement. As an owner, I will obey his will. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. An awful lot of the Lord's prayer comes back to Adonai. So now we get down and dirty. We kind of know what the word's about. Who do we serve? Us or Adonai? If I went through your checkbook, if I went through your calendar, what's the dominant priority This is why why tithing is so important. I'm not trying to turn this into a fundraising thing, but it's part of our recognition of Adonai who owns it all anyway. And we have this incredible weapon, praise weapon, fort weapon. We can crawl into his presence and say, oh Lord, you are my Adonai. I am merely a steward, a steward only of everything I have. And I want to come before you And declare, God in heaven, you are my Adonai. Let's have prayer together. Father, the stories are great, but the challenge is even greater. Do I ever look at things that I've worked hard to receive as my property? That somehow because of my work I have ownership? Convict me and forgive me. Convict me if that's happening. Because I want to have the ability and even the power to step into your presence in the Holy of Holies, boldly declaring, My Adonai. And Adonai, I am here to serve you. Adonai, I am here as your steward. I can't ask you to bless me if I'm withholding everything, it's about your glory. I can't ask you to bless me if it's for my own self. But if you are my Adonai and I am a steward and I can be trusted with this, I can be trusted with more. And it's not trust you get rich. It's trust you be blessed. Because I'm a steward. I own nothing. And Father, may we be passionate about your power. Passionate who Adonai is. Passionate that we have the privilege of knowing you in a deeper and deeper and deeper level because we know your name. No wonder you said thou shalt not take the name of the Lord in vain. It's very important for us to understand And it's important for us to crawl into your presence on your lap and say, I love you, my Adonai. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, my Adonai. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. You know the tradition. Let's go out saying a word together. And of course, the theme verse for the entire series, I mean, it can't get stronger than Proverbs 18.10. Say it with me. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous wander into it and is safe. Yes. Thank you for worshiping with us. We'll see you next week. Next week is El Shaddai.